The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. Good morning, I'm Roger Grimsby. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of... This summer, coming to a supermarket near you. Stories around the campfire. Heck, my grandma used to spin yarns about a... Spe- we now return to the real... Hi, this is Larry King. The phone-in topic today... The Bassmasters Classic, the Super Bowl of professional bass angling. That's all the time we've got for this week on World of the Psychic. Next week, though, Hairless Pets. Are you troubled by strange podcasts that only cover one movie? Do you experience feelings of dread when they announce they're rebooting your favorite film? Have you or a family member watched a movie followed by a sequel? Followed by another sequel? Followed by another sequel? If the answer is yes, don't wait another minute. Sit back and leave it to the professionals. The The Trilogy Podcast. The only podcast in the universe devoted strictly to trilogy. No reboots, no straight to cable. We're bringing you facts, debates, trivia, and more. To hell with the movie, if they made four. We're a podcast about trilogies. My name is Vin. I'm Scott. Joining us is Phil this time around. That's right, I'm Phil. Scott, why don't you uh, reveal to the folks exactly what we're doing? Well, I think it's pretty obvious uh, based on the music choice, but we are doing the Ghostbusters trilogy. Oh, baby. Yeah. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. No, sir. Bustin' Uh, makes me feel good. (laughs) It doesn't make us all feel good. And it's nice to have our whole team here. As always, Phil joins us when we're doing anything that is nerdy, but also uh, supernatural or horror related. It's another new trilogy. We're, we're covering these a lot right now, having just done uh, Spider-Man MCU, you know? Yeah. I also realized we've done three straight trilogies that are all in New York. Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. Ghostbusters is another brand new trilogy, and it's also, especially the first movie, you know, gigantic in stature and grandeur and lore right. and information, so there's just a lot to it. So we're going to jump right in here because we got a lot yeah. to talk about when it comes to the the new Ghostbusters trilogy. Very exciting. Also, another thing I want to mention right off the bat is we're dealing with the kind of thing that we dealt with when we did Bill and Ted. Okay? It's, yeah. It's a third movie that's come along very far down the road, many, many years later. Right. You know? Sort of forced to reinvent the idea a little bit. Because exactly. Because it's so far after the fact. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there, there's a constant balancing act between the history right. that old fans like so much and, you know, the reason they liked it so much right. back in the day versus... How can we attract the new fan into this world? Right. How can we engage them with new young actors, what have you? Right. So we've seen a lot. Um, Bill and Ted, we dealt with it, but they also, Coming to America was another example of that. The Independence Day, fourth one that they put out. Yeah. Top Gun Maverick. Indiana Jones, the, when the fourth one came out, or I would even go so far as to say Crocodile Dundee's third movie came along much <laughs> oh, yeah. later than the first Way two. later, kind of a different so, tone. Yeah. We've dealt with this yeah. a lot, so it's kind of something that we've seen oftentimes not work but in the case of something like Cobra Kai yeah. which we you know we cover every single season it's worked perfectly in that context yeah you know they kept it fresh they're able to make it work in that series all right so let's get a little business done and let's go to trilogy bot so we can break down this very easy do we have to go to trilogy bot Phil okay it's become tedious with you and a robot okay you know what it doesn't take that long we just get it just over with up. you know just grow up Ghostbusters is a gang's all here trilogy A group of friends or family members, sometimes a team, whose adventures we follow, over the course of three films. Don't get confused, Phil. That's gangs all here, not bangs a queer. Try to keep it in your pants. All right, 
Easy one. Yeah, the good thing about robots is when they die, they don't leave behind ghosts. All right, yeah. Phil, (laughs) as always, Trilogy Bot, while cruel to Phil, is completely right. Yay. All right, this is a Gangs All Here trilogy. We haven't done one of these in quite a while, my friend. It's been a while. You know, since Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. That long. Oh, gosh. That's been some time. Yeah, it's been a couple of years almost, right? Almost two, yeah. Yeah, and so we're, you know, of course... Uh, the bot has it right in that we're looking at movies where it's a group that we look forward to seeing the adventures of from movie to movie, you know, a group of people, oftentimes a team, if you will, in yes. some ways, wearing similar clothing. Right. Sometimes, like, not always. Like the Bad News Bears. Right. Or the Turtles. Or, or the Turtles. You know, yeah, right. That's a trend. They're actually a team. Uh, Scott, these plots, I look forward to this as always. This is going to be, uh, you know, some, uh, some real ghostly kind of... Uh, Spooky stuff. All right. Hope you guys are prepared. Hope you brought an extra pair of underpants. Cause, well, in case you poop yourself. That's no, what also, in case we get slimed, you know? Okay. Oh, no, wait, no, no, but just as saying, in case you got so scared that you would shit yourself. No, you mean, know what I, I'm saying? I got a sense Or if you got slimed. Oh. Who, who are you going to call? Okay. You know? Okay. So. The cops. When you need the blocks, you got to call Scott. All right. Okay, sorry. All right. We should have called back. Oh my Scott's God. plots. You didn't. Oh, it's too didn't. late. I failed. I'm you so ruined sorry. it. It's fine. It's really. We'll take it again from the top. I refuse. It's on you to come up with your own background chorus. I, I mean, I put my hands to. up and went. Nah. Yeah. I you didn't. wanted me to bring a background. <laughs> if you if you need it to bring a chorus, that's not you've got you to bring what? a chorus. Now I'm gonna. <laughs> later, <laughs> I'm going to put in a background chorus, and they're gonna be better than you guys. <laughs> fine. So fine. good. That's just fine. Just get to the plots then. Okay. So, of course, this is Scott's Plots. Scott's Plots! What I do here is, of course, I surmise the basic uh, happenings in the films. Uh, So if you've never seen them, I got you caught up there. And if you have seen them, it's just been a while, I'll get you all caught up as well. Uh, So, uh, kind of bare bones, no real details. So here we go. We started off with... Ghostbusters. 1984. In New York City, a team of three paranormal scientists lose their research grant and decide to start a ghost hunting business using particle accelerators that shoot beams of energy to trap the spirits. Once again, we have yet another movie where there is a department at a local university devoted to paranormal studies. And it almost seems like it's a it's a common thing. Like, of course, they have that at any big university. But oh. I mean, in this one, they lose their funding. So this is, they are downtrend for this, these kinds of departments. But they're like, forget MIT, forget Stanford. I'm like, they also have this department? Yeah. Why would they bring you in? Their first client is a tall woman who has a demonic entity living in her fridge. And she becomes the wise-cracking scientist love interest. Only by force, though. Peter Venkman oh, is a problem, so. and we'll discuss it later. <laughs> He's a charming womanizer. I don't think as problematic as, like, say, the the guy from uh, Major League, the way he follows Brene Russo around the and entire really time. Her. Yeah. True. Also, not as problematic as uh, Spider-Man Three, knocking that woman You'll out. You'll never get that far with this movie. You'll, yeah. You know what? He has to work for it. It's not like he's a hunk that is just womanizing because girls just fall over themselves because he's yeah. good looking. He's working for it. He's hustling, man. Yeah, and if all else fails, he had a bunch of drugs to well, knock her out with, just in case. Back off. He's a scientist, man. <laughs> and yeah, that whole scene in Sigourney Weaver's apartment when she encounters Zool from the first time yeah. in her fridge. Right. You see Stay Puff for the first time. It's the brand of marshmallow she's got on the counter. Right. Yeah. And then... Good placement. Yeah, she opens the fridge, 
And the creature says Zool. And really, you have no idea it's saying Zool until yeah. someone later has told you that it's Zool. Yeah. And then when you hear it again, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess so. Maybe she caught the tail end of it and they were saying, but there's no way. <laughs> a sudden uprising in ghost sightings spells success and fame for the three paranormal scientists, and needing more help, they hire a random dude to join the team. You get the great montage in there. It's the oh, one yeah. that, like the Ghostbusters is really if a first and second movie famous for its montages of like yeah. New York excited about something collectively. It's like uh, like all this fame and success is happening. You're like, all right, cool. This I'm having fun, but it's not really like a conflict yet <laughs> yeah. in this movie. Like, but I mean, it just like when when New York had turtle fever in the in, in, in TV. right, yeah, yeah. Like they, they, New York is played as if we're just one creation that all thinks in the same way. Like turtles are taking over. So does yeah. that mean that the Ghostbusters? It's so cool. We're talking to each other on the street. Hey, yeah. does that mean that like the the food of choice of the Ghostbusters in the same way that like pizza was for turtles? Or I mean, he does mention they they try. He was like, oh no, let's get Chicago style pizza. I'm like, yeah. you're in New. York. York City. Yes, no one would say that. I wrote that down. I'm like, no one would say that. Come on, Ackroyd. Yeah. Where would I even get it? (laughs) Uno. (laughs) Also, it's just cheese. It's just a diarrhea circle. (laughs) All right, Phil. God. I'm just saying that not since 9-11 have we seen a city come together in the same way it did for the Ghostbusters. Yeah. The tall woman agrees to a date with the wise-cracking scientist, but before they are to meet, she is possessed by the demonic entity in her fridge, as her dorky neighbor across the hall is also possessed by a demonic entity. And he comes crashing through Central Park, being chased by the, yeah. the demon or whatever. Right. This is Rick Moranis, and they end up in front of the tavern on the green, the glass right, right yeah, there. Yeah. It's the exact same shot as in Trading Places, where Eddie Murphy was like hobnobbing with the rich people and Escargo. Escargo. I mean, it's the same shot. It's 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 identical when you watch it. Well, if you ever go to Tavern on the Green, that room is designed just so you could have that shot. Yeah. I was a turkey there for Thanksgiving once, and let me tell you, I was abused by children for eight hours. Rich children. (laughs) Rich children. I was going to say, yeah. Eric Trump (laughs) beat the shit out of me. Listen, I played Elmo for poor children, and it's even worse, Phil. (laughs) You didn't pay for the right to abuse me as Elmo. (laughs) That was not my best hour, let me tell you. (laughs) The EPA shows up and shuts down their power grid, containing all the captured ghosts and all the spirits escape and begin terrorizing the city as the team is arrested. I want to point out something here that the uh, the villain of the movie is a liberal who's concerned about the environment. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's I was going to talk about this during information, but the movie is considered very like Reagan conservative free enterprise. Yeah. Like, that's the idea that you're fighting against a, a, a government organization for capitalism. To be able to open up your own business. Yeah, I mean, but at best, he's like a stand-in villain until yeah. Gozer gets there, yep. you know? Again, that's the thing. It's like, we don't have a conflict for a while until he walks in like, I'm here from the EPA, and you're like, this is the first time we've heard anything about, like, a prop. The Ghostbusters must always kind of have it in their head where they're like, you know what? No matter what insane thing we do, when people see some fucking ghosts, they'll let us just, what else are they going to right. do? Like, so are like, you going to handle it? it? They're yeah. like, break every law imaginable. That when you see a goddamn ghost... You'll let me do what I want. Yeah, and they, believe yeah. me. And they have to go through that process yeah. several times. Yeah. yeah, there's this sort of tacit agreement with the city where it's like, all right, you guys fight the ghosts and we'll keep locking you up you know, uh, and then letting you do it. <laughs> Meanwhile, the possessed tall woman and dorky neighbor meet up, allowing an ancient evil god to arrive in New York City. With the city in peril, the team is able to convince the mayor to let them handle it, and they head to the tall woman's building to fight the ancient evil god. 
After confronting the ancient evil god, she commands them to choose the entity that will destroy them. The excitable paranormal scientist accidentally thinks of a brand mascot from his childhood, and a giant man made of marshmallows appears and starts destroying the city. They're like, if you think of J. Edgar Hoover, he'll be the one that comes right. and destroys us. Right. Well, you just said his name. Right, so, so why wasn't a giant well, J. Edgar Hoover attacking the That's city? what I thought. Yeah. I thought that a couple because of times. Because there was still just some the example. Just saying it, people would picture it naturally who J. Edgar Hoover is in their right. brain. Now you made you and everyone it. there think of J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> right. That yeah. should have been it. Unsure of how to defeat the marshmallow creature, the brainy paranormal scientist suggests crossing the streams of energy from their particle accelerators, something he had warned would be dangerous earlier. The team combined their energy streams to attack the ancient evil god and she is defeated. The marshmallow man explodes and the city is saved. If not covered in marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little messy, but Rich. I'm sure it'll Rich. be fine. That's gotta be so unpleasant. That marshmallow's gotta be hot, right? It's melted. It's hot, like, but it's also it's thick sugar. I don't know that it's yeah. hot. Like it's that's not a, sure it's, it's expanded hot. I mean, sugar. He exploded, right? Yeah, but I don't think it's necessarily hot. Yeah, it had but when you, hot. yeah, but I mean, I don't know how it much. It didn't come in like big fluffy. I don't chunks. know how yeah. much conductivity marshmallow has. So it's hot, but by the time it hits the ground, it's cooling. It's I mean, cooling. you ever have a crisp saying, marshmallow that has I, just been freshly burnt? Yeah, I have. I have. We all did. We all did for the Cobra Kai. That's right. That's right. That's Experiment right. when Phil nearly died. Yeah, Cobra Kai season one. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I was there for that one. Mary Mauser shouted us out on Twitter. What? Yeah, famous. All I'm saying is Walter Peck probably has no skin left on his body. No, no, no. Walter Peck is <laughs> third degree burns yes. over eighty percent of his body. Loved, saying, yes. If a person has never seen this movie, what we're describing would sound insane, right? But somehow this movie makes that kind of a plot work. All right? right. And so it's a pretty huge classic. Yeah. We're we all aware of just the, the implications of the film as far as comedies go in the 80s. It was like huge. It was yeah. enormous. Yeah. And it was really one of the only franchises that we've talked about on this podcast that like they turned into a kid's property successfully. Yeah. Like yeah. they tried with Rambo, they tried with Robocop, they tried right. with all these 80s things. And it's largely yeah. based on the success of Ghostbusters, I think. Ghostbusters is pretty iconic, all things considered. For sure. And if there was never a trilogy made, if this was just a movie that stood alone by itself, you know, it's a major, major film yeah. by itself no, of the 80s. And even rewatching it now, I still think it works. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I loved it. It was fun to rewatch them. So. so fun. Always so fun. All right. It's like there didn't need to be a second one. Are you looking at me because you... Are we Ghostbusters 2. Come on. <laughs> 19... 89. Five years later, the paranormal ghost hunters are out of business and have gone their separate ways and are doing odd jobs such as doing kids parties, running a bookshop, and hosting a public access TV show. But when the tall woman's baby's carriage takes on a life of its own, the paranormal scientists decide to look into it which leads them to an underground river of pink slime that feeds on negative energy. We get a real sense in this movie, the meta quality, where yeah. in their universe, they're also famous. So right. it's it's like really a comment on what's popular, what's trendy, and how things fall off. It's pretty clever, I think. Yeah. With, yeah. Where they had to like reprove themselves five years later. Like, yeah. like we saved the entire city. But and they got mired in legal trouble. I like how this movie creates the natural decline of a success story. And then, and even the fact that Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver never got together, people don't get together sometimes. Like it just sort of happens. Yeah. Even after, I mean, they're really adding a, a layer of realism in terms of these conflicts. And meanwhile, you have Sigourney Weaver who's just casually bouncing back and forth between a professional like orchestra cello player and an art restorer. Yeah. I mean, really. It's She's like, oh, I'm going to go back to playing the cello since I've just dabbled in art restoration since I had the baby. Like what? Yeah. There's a couple of times 
times in the movie they radically change characters we saw in the first movie. Like Lewis Tully's now a lawyer. He's yeah. not an accountant anymore. Right. And then fucking, you know, Janine is like kind of hot now. Like, yeah. you know, and wears like more modern clothes instead of being like, you know, yeah. a shrew. I, I, I feel <laughs> like they, they just modeled her more after her cartoon counterpart. After digging a hole to the Slime River and knocking out the city's power, the team is arrested. And after a quick trial, they are found guilty. I just think that it's funny how one of the pipes that is so small would knock out the entire city yeah. right there. Like it's he pulls him yeah, up fast he, and he his like, foot hits it. Yeah, he you know, that's how fragile it. the power grid is in New York City. <laughs> there's, there's so much bureaucracy and weird shit in the city that of course it would be down to one shitty pipe. But when the judge angrily raves during sentencing, the pink slime emits two ghosts that the team dispatches and they're back in business. Got the new montage? Ghostbusters back in business. Back in business. I'm trying to rap about Ghostbusters, but it's <laughs> and already And we're doing happened. some ghost, ghost, Ghostbuster, ghost. <laughs> ghost, that's a ghost there. <laughs> he is jogging, but now he was caught. <laughs> Something's happening. I call in the ghost guys. They come in here, and then they broke all the glass in my glass store to catch the ghost. Now I'm trying to get them to pay me back. <laughs> Small <laughs> claims card. <laughs> uh, it's a great song. <laughs> the pink slime attacks the tall woman and her baby at her apartment, and she moves in with the wise cracking scientist. The team head to the museum where the tall woman works to investigate a painting of an ancient magician who has secretly possessed the tall woman's foreign boss. Magician? He straight up calls him a magician. That's true. He's Vigo. Eh? That's my favorite part is when he just gestures to it and goes, eh? I think this is as good a time as any since we're talking about Vigo and everything. One of the big flaws with respect to the plot in this in this film is that it's never clear how Vigo is connected to the slime. Like, yeah, it's in the picture. Yeah. So does that mean the spirit of Vigo is living in that painting, waiting to go to another museum that sits on top of an empty canal and hopes that the slime will form there if there are yeah. enough bad feelings? Like, it's two separate ideas. They don't go together in any logical way. This evil painting is blowing <laughs> the slime. <laughs> they had two plots, and they just decided, yeah, we'll just do both. Yeah. Because, like, the slime is one thing. The slime is literally, the cause of the slime is literally the, the, the energy of New York. Yeah, the bad right. feelings of New York. Yeah. I have been waiting like, my entire afterlife. I will finally yeah. be a New Yorker. For a, for a museum <laughs> where there is a canal in which I can create slime. <laughs> <laughs> I which will just waiting. which will just flow. I don't to I nowhere. I've been on the affordable housing waiting list for 600 years. <laughs> just want a rent control department. Later, while the tall woman is on a date with the wise cracking scientist, the others investigate the slime river but end up falling in the river and getting covered in the negative slime and they start to fight before they take off their slime-covered clothes. Still all over their faces. <laughs> that slime yeah, doesn't... right? <laughs> if they're still covered in slime. When they interrupt the wise-cracking scientist and the tall woman's date at a fancy restaurant, they are all arrested. And when they try to explain about the river of slime, they are committed to a mental hospital. Why hasn't New York just acknowledged that ghosts are real at this point? 
Yeah. They're real. Stop right. going back on it. It's like we all saw this happen. It happened. There are ghosts. Yeah. There was a marshmallow man. <laughs> to the point where in the third movie, it's almost treated like a legend and not a reality. We lived right. it. We saw the movie where it was treated as a real thing. Yeah. So don't now try and play it like but no one ever fucking talks about it anymore. Yeah. This is a major ghosts are real that's the thing it's like even they were like there has been a ghost sighting in 30 years like yeah but if 30 years ago there was a ghost sighting people would fucking remember that yeah, shit and have heard yeah, about it and yeah. known that like ghosts do exist we just haven't seen them in 30 years right but they're confirmed to exist it would be a big like, deal there yeah. will be a, a time life photo of the museum covered in slime or the statue <laughs> yeah. of liberty <laughs> right. stepping on the street right right you don't forget or, that yeah like oh you never heard of that time that the statue of liberty got up and walked the fuck around <laughs> no i never heard of that really <laughs> It's, it's in every history book now. Yeah. I'm just not like a news guy. I don't it's know. It's a really big deal. Hey. A statue walked around. <laughs> what do you mean no one's talking about it anymore? <laughs> ah, it's boring now. Yeah, but it's still <laughs> real. It'd be great if like people in their personal life started not believing them. Like Dana was like, guys, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it would be, you, oh, you were she there. Was like, I was getting really high around that time. <laughs> Part, I was yeah. seeing a lot of stuff. And Janos. Eastern European, you know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Later, the foreign boss possessed by the ancient magician steals the tall woman's baby so that the ancient magician can live again, while the negative energy of New York City has caused the Slime River to overflow into the streets and once again, ghosts terrorize the city. <laughs> I just want to say that Janusz is so lame, though. When he kidnaps the, the baby, like, in that... What the hell is that? In that sort of ethereal baby it, carriage. It's like an ethereal... Yeah. Uh, it looks very fake. It's yeah, like, did it's you really, choose to look this way? Like, it's really like some dumb. Wizard of Oz shit. The team is released, and they head to the museum where the tall woman works, which is completely encased in impenetrable pink slime, needing to generate positivity on New Year's Eve, mind you. <laughs> the team the team the team hoses down the Statue of Liberty with positively charged slime and it walks across the harbor inspiring positivity which weakens the pink slime barrier around the museum and they enter that's just so dumb alright the only use of the Statue of Liberty walking on the island of Manhattan yeah. is to like get through the pink slime barrier. Right. It just really seems like a frivolous use of the power of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. You know what it was the reason? Just as well, uh, a helicopter. Could have like played music from a helicopter, got everyone really into it, and yeah. then just ziplined down through the class. It is New Year's right. Eve. And also, right. So, why are you, why is it so hard to find positivity <laughs> on New Year's Eve in New York City? Like, were the 80s that bad? First of all, they were definitely well, yeah. not that bad at all. <laughs> yeah. That thing they portray at the beginning of this movie, of the second movie, where it's like angry Upper West Side. Oh, but they're, they're just setting up mad. the pink slime thing. Right, like, right. But I mean, they're yeah, trying to paint weird. New York like there's so many fucking bad feelings every but second I mean, of right. every day. You kind of felt yeah. like that in the 80s with the, 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 the AIDS epidemic happening in the in the village. And also the there was AIDS a lot of AIDS epidemic. <laughs> the AIDS epidemic? People weren't just transacting about AIDS on the street yeah, every day know. constantly. The scene of the being a Ghostbusters too. He's like, hey, watch where you're going. Stabs him with an AIDS needle. <laughs> they quickly dispatch the foreign boss with slime. But the ancient magician takes human form, immobilizes the team, and tries to steal the baby. It's incredibly fucked up what he looks like when Ray is possessed by uh, Vigo. <laughs> yeah. He looks terrible. Yeah. He, he looks like a bag of uh, a fish bag. He looks like a he looks like a man wearing a wearing a wearing a fish skin. 
It, yeah, like they put Vigo's face over Ray and then inflated it. <laughs> and they yeah. gave him like little like weird devil horn prongs. Even Vigo sucks. Yeah. Steps out of the painting. Get out of yeah. here. <laughs> kind of an idiot. <laughs> Trilogy superstar, Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah, that's right. He also <laughs> was right. in In the Mouth of Madness from Carpenter's Apocalypse yeah. Trilogy. We talked yeah. about him during that. Oh, yes. Also voiced by Trilogy Superstar Max von Sydow. Right. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Okay. But when the crowd outside begins singing Old Lang Syne at midnight, it weakens the ancient magician, allowing the team to save the baby, send the ancient magician back into the painting, and hose him down with slime until he disappears. <laughs> Worst dumb. bukkake ever. I, Jesus Christ. I was like, Ugh. this is ridiculous. The effect where that he like fades backwards and then explodes. <laughs> Shaking his head, yeah. coming like, oh, get it off, get it off. <laughs> like, oh. I love to afterwards, like it doesn't, the slime doesn't look pink anymore. Like, it's just clear? Yeah, it looks, it straight up looks like yeah. But it seems like in crafting the ending to this movie, they were like, well, you know, the first movie's ending was really successful. And you know what part I really liked is when everyone was covered in all that white stuff. The river slime doesn't go away, right? No, it's just there. You never see what ha they defeat Vigo, but that river like overflowed. I mean, what happens? It just did it recess? Did it disappear or something? Yeah. Uh, so that was Ghostbusters 2. Shall okay. we uh, jump ahead 30 years? Yes. Take it to our final film. And of course, uh, most recently, just came out last year, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. 2021. 30 years later, the brainy scientist dies fighting a ghost, and his estranged daughter moves her family to his farmhouse in Oklahoma. And I mean, they get to the point on this immediately. The first dialogue is like, here's what happened. And that's why we're going here. Yeah. It makes you wonder what they would have done if Harold Ramis hadn't died. I mean, the whole movie is about right. him being dead. They had been trying to develop a third one forever. Right. And then basically when he died, we're like, well, we have to move on to something else because we don't have the four but guys. I mean, just you know the, what I mean? The fact that it wasn't handled with a couple of lines of dialogue and then whatever, he's not in the movie as opposed to it right. being th what the movie is about. Yeah. And I think I think that's like the only way they really could have done this. Is by making it a kind of a, it's a love letter, it's, it's a, like tribute a tribute to tribute Harold film. Ramis. It's, yeah. a Harold, it's a Harold Ramis tribute. That's film. exactly yep. what it is. Yeah. And after the whole movie has been about Harold Ramis, emotions at the end, it, like seconds after it's over, it's like boom for Harold. Yeah. And the movie's like, still going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still it okay. Ends, it ends with yeah. the hug. The estranged daughter's strange daughter befriends a kid interested in the occult and a wisecracking science teacher while her son becomes interested in a cute car hop. Meanwhile, he's so eager to get a job as soon as he gets to this new farm environment. Yeah. It's like, why weren't you working before so they weren't evicted? Right. All of a sudden you want to work? Yeah. You should have been working. You know how he's kids- He's too busy thinking with his dick, you know? You know how kids are. They're awful. They are sure. awful. That's really- I, I've said it before and I've said it again. <laughs> Children are awful. Yeah. The strange daughter is led by a spirit in the house to one of the ghost hunter's traps which she takes to the science teacher, who tells her about the ghost hunters as he was a big fan. It's a big flaw that the kids don't know anything about the past. Their grandfather is a ghostbuster. Right, well, they don't know that. They, they don't know this, that her, yeah. well, I know, what I'm saying is, it's. I think it's ridiculous that they don't know that, that the mother has never told them that, that they don't know anything about it, that it takes the science teacher to be like, uh, it was a really big deal yeah. many years ago. Yeah. It is weird, though, to have a, like the outside perspective yeah. while watching the movie where, like, as if, if you're a fan of the movies, you're like, well, I know who Egon is. I know all, I know what's going on. Like, and yeah. for 
them to be like, whoa, I'm learning all this stuff about the ghost. We're like, yeah, but I already know it. Like, yeah, let's, that's a good point. You know, you well, you're the grandkids. You should know as much as I know about yeah. the Ghostbusters. Basically, yeah. I just wish the movie didn't treat us like idiots insofar as it's like, hey, you need a refresher. You, hey, maybe you should have a 90 minute tutorial. People that don't know the Ghostbusters lore, it's like, yeah, I love to spend time with my friends who aren't into what I'm into and I have to kind of patiently explain the thing that I'm into to them. <laughs> right. And they don't really know it. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. great, that's a lot of fun. Let's do that. He only mentions Stay Puffed. He doesn't mentions nothing about the second movie. They don't mention the second movie at all, really, in the third one, but they do have the element where there's a, a good ghost, Egon, helping out in his ghost lab. Yeah. Which yeah. It, which mirrors the good slime, like there's a good supernatural element that we saw in the second movie. Yeah. But right. other than that, you're right, Phil, there's really no mention, nothing to do with the, the second film. No. Also a big deal. Repeat, Statue of Liberty walked around. Just <laughs> right. They open the trap and a demon flies out and escapes to a mountain nearby. The spirit in the house reveals itself to be the brainy scientist, and he helps the strange daughter repair their ghost hunting tools. As the strange daughter and her occult friend test the energy shooter, they encounter a ghost who eats metal and with the help of the son who has restored the ghost hunter's car, chases after the ghost and capture him shortly before being arrested and getting their equipment confiscated. So you got Phoebe, who's really, I think is a really good character in this. I, yeah, yeah I love Obviously Phoebe. the best thing Little in the Egon. movie. Yeah. Little Egon. But it's not so different than Bill and Ted, where we identified that the daughters are the more interesting part of the movie. Right. And right. they at least took that framework and applied it here. Also, where it's the same way. We, we're, we haven't covered the Star Wars sequel trilogy yet, but like it's the same way that Ray is the protagonist. The and same- the original characters are sort of supporting. Right. Yeah. But well, you have the scene with the, her, them learning to pilot the Falcon. You have the scene with Phoebe and Trevor learning to drive the Ecto-1 uh, once again. So we get our like our little nostalgia. But like I said, it's got to be a balance between the originals yeah. being in the movie in this third movie and whatever's new. Like it's got to right. be a reasonable balance. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I think that they, but I think that does kind of prove that like we, we could have watched a movie that didn't have any of the original Ghostbusters in it and this could, you know what Probably. I mean? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. We still would have been interested. But, but I felt like the third movie was missing something because of the lack of original Ghostbusters in it. Problem with this movie is it's, it's, it's misplaced nostalgia. Because a lot of this nostalgia yeah. is for the idea of the Ghostbusters, not necessarily the movie. Because if it was about the movie of the Ghostbusters, like the original ethos of it, it would be about these children starting a business come hell or high water yeah, but that in was a small all... town. I'm kidding. Uh, no, but it's, right. you're not you're not wrong, Phil, because all yeah. the other movies, including the reboot, were about people starting a business. Yeah. Right. So, you know, they made a point when they when they wrote this final movie for it to be about family, they said, Jason Reitman said, as opposed to about this business thing. So the very right. thing you're saying was what they were trying to stay away from, actually. I just think it would have benefited from the lead really being Egon's daughter. Well, she's terrible, I think, in this movie. I don't think she's interesting at all. I think she's overly mean and it takes her too yeah. long to get it. She's irritating. As I, is, I like her most in the scene with Paul Rudd. I don't yeah. like her and I don't like Finn Wolfhard either. I could take get them both out of my life. Fine. They're nothing. The little girl is the heart and soul of the yeah, movie and the yeah, best one sure. in the movie, frankly. For sure. Yep. And frankly, her little Ned counterpart as well. Right, yeah. Oh, podcast? Yeah. Podcast. Podcast. I think of him as Ned since we just did Spider-Man. Right, yeah. I thought of that too, yeah. Yeah. Using her one phone call, the strange daughter calls the excitable scientist and tells him that the brainy scientist is dead. And he tells her that the brainy scientist stole all of their stuff and disappeared one day. The estranged daughter is led by her brainy scientist father to a bunch of pictures of her revealing he did care. And then a demon dog attacks her and possesses her. And we're really getting the entire redo of the first 
the first right. movie. They're getting arrested. This stuff's getting right. confiscated. They have right. to get that's it back. A, they have to. The, the, that's yeah. a real and that's a real movie cliche. The idea that you think that someone doesn't love you and you stumble upon like a little shrine to you yeah, like, or a bunch uh, of cards they've written that you didn't think you had or something. Yeah. And that's uh, a real that's creepy. Yeah, yeah. This whole time he did love me. Why don't you express it in a healthy way? Yeah, but Egon, but Egon's was like serial oh, killer. Yeah, level. it's very like, scientific. She's got half as many freckles now as she will. Right, yeah, I saw that. And right. like she will have, uh, uh, she'll have braces soon and yeah she'll I need mean, corrective braces i accepted that years. because it's the character <laughs> right because he's but so out of touch we've seen this in movies before believe it you know we got sirens right now but leave it in new york's its own character in this podcast hey as it is in this trilogy the strange daughter the son the occult friend and the car hop find an ancient temple where the brainy scientists set up four energy shooters to prevent the ancient evil god from the first one from returning the science teacher possessed by a demon dog destroys the energy shooters and once joined by the possessed estranged daughter they allow the ancient evil god to return realizing the dirt farm in front of the house is a trap for the ancient evil god the strange daughter distracts the ancient evil god while the occult friend traps the demon dog possessing the estranged daughter and they lead the half-powered ancient evil god to the trap at the farm which malfunctions and the demon dog is released from the trap and possesses the car hop restoring the ancient evil god's power it comes this fast yeah. and you have no time to absorb what you're seeing at all yeah, yeah sometimes busting makes me feel good and sometimes it comes too fast <laughs> sometimes and, you really gotta take your time with busting yeah, like, you know it's like, like just as they discover the secrets of the ghostbusters it's we it's like the spider-man one problem we have to rush all the way to the end after we get to the the ride the crest yeah. of the good part Right. That's what it feels like. The movie kicks into high gear in the last like 20 minutes. Yeah. And like just fucking. Doesn't stop. Doesn't yeah, stop. races to the end. And because it's not original, it really stands out. You're yeah. really like. Because I oh. think that's the thing is they can't spend too much time on it because like we've kind of seen this already. Like yep. it's just going to be a different way they handle it. You yep. know? The remaining members of the original team arrive and attack the ancient evil god. With help from the estranged daughter and the ghost of the brainy scientist, they are able to trap the ancient evil god and the demon dogs. The ghost of brainy scientist silently reconciles with his family and friends and departs. Later, we see the tall woman is married to the wisecracking scientist, and the random dude is now a wealthy entrepreneur, and he returns the ghost's hunting car back to their original office. What about the... The last thing he sees. What, the red light going off? Yeah, that implies that there's still a ghost in there and there will be, this will continue. It's sure. Oh, um, so you don't think that implies there's there's still ghosts in that? No, I'm not saying that's not what they're implying. I'm sure that's what they're implying. But I also think, I'm like, this promises us nothing. I don't oh, yeah. Oh, no. There's no question. Supposedly, right. they say there is another film in development. It is. Right. But yeah, I was like, this one was in development for 30 years. so And it's barely developed. Right. right. All right. So I guess we should move along. Please. I think you know what this part of the podcast is called. Billy. Ghostbusters, ladies and gentlemen. Boy, oh boy, was it a big movie. Sure was. You usually don't hear me rave the way I just did, but let me tell you, it was something. I wouldn't call that a rave. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually referred to as the first supernatural comedy. And it basically started off with uh, an idea that Dan Aykroyd had about him and Belushi going through space and time and fighting yeah. these supernatural creatures. In a gas station in New Jersey. Yes, yeah. the original script. Right. But this all comes from 
Dan Aykroyd's fascination with like the supernatural and his yeah. his belief in ghosts and demons and spirits. He's it's you know not what I'm his saying? belief. It's his family's yeah, belief. Right. His, whole his family are family. all fucking yeah. mediums. They right. would they would uh, invite people like from the Bohemian Society of Ghost Catchers in New York City home to dinner. The whole family was sort of steeped in this uh, this kind of uh, just accepted uh, fact that. Uh, spirits uh, do exist. But it's a common trend that Aykroyd's ideas are often just sort of off the wall. Yes. Yeah. And just not really feasible. So Ivan Reitman came in, okay? Because he yeah. was kind of taking this crazy idea and had to polish it, had to make it something that he could really pitch to the studios. He died recently, um, but we all know Reitman. Twins, Junior. The weird Shh. butthole alien movie with uh, David Duchovny. Evolution? Yes. It's like one of the last movies he did. Yeah. It was mostly, it was just because the buttholes. All right, Phil. <laughs> Just Phil, I don't even hole. remember the butthole. It's a big, it ends with a big butthole alien shitting on everyone. All right. Right. From the beginning, the Reitman wanted to take it out of this supernatural world and put it in New York. Yeah. Because one of the original parts of the script was always going to be the Stay Puft Marshmallow Men. So he wanted it to be one of these things where it was a, it was a normal setting, so it built to such a crazy visual, right. as opposed to just one of many wacky things you would see in the space and time movie that Aykroyd yeah. had conceived. Well, and in short order, Harold Ramis came on to write the script to make it make more sense. A film. Right. <laughs> a big thing with Ramis was that he really knew Bill Murray's tone, having worked with him in the past. It's a process that we share from you know, our working technique at Second City, but we, we know. We have a, a similar standard for what we do. Uh, it was sold to Columbia, and it was made, and it became what it became. This movie was shot in New York City, all over New York. You see it all through the movie. Tricky thing early on that there couldn't be with Bill Murray too much improvisation because so much had to be storyboarded with respect to all the effects and everything. And that wasn't something they had dealt with in the past doing movies like Meatballs. It was a different kind of cinema than Meatballs. Yes, it was, Phil. And just I just want to tack on as well as in terms of technical stuff. The effects were done by the same people that did the effects in Poltergeist. Ah. And you can really kind of see how those ghosts are similar. Yeah, I think we same. might have even mentioned it during the Poltergeist uh, episode. Yeah, I think so. Slimer is supposed to be an homage to Belushi. Yep. Right. And then and also another story that pops up a lot is that John Candy was considered for the Rick Moranis part. He yeah. was cast. But he wanted to play it as a German guy with multiple German shepherds. It was yeah. a lot of hat on a hat. Like uh, Mickey Rourke in Iron Man 2. <laughs> I need bird and Russian accent. <laughs> the music. Oh, the Ghostbusters song. It became a giant hit, but almost was a Huey Lewis song. Yeah. It's the power of Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> Quite. Yeah, baby. They wanted Huey Lewis to do his song, and he turned them down. And yeah. the, the song that they chose, Ghostbusters, is exactly the same song as I Want a New Drug, which was a popular song by him at the time. That's, oh, a, yeah. that's the same beat. Huey Lewis was like, I turned you down and you just used my song anyway. There was a huge lawsuit and Huey Lewis won. Ghostbusters was the biggest comedy of the 80s. Biggest one, none bigger. It was made for between 25 and $30 million, and it did $300 million worldwide, 243 in the United States. And those are 80s dollars. And it, what's funny is the only movie that beat it that year was Beverly Hills Cop. Another trilogy. Another trilogy. But they re-released it the following year to push it past Beverly Hills Cop to become the biggest comedy of the 80s. Nice. All right. And it got very good reviews, of course, for Bill Murray, 
for the ingenuity of the story. This was a huge movie for me as a kid because mm. it really was the first movie that I remember that had such quotable dialogue. Everyone was going around and quoting yep. not just one line, of like throughout the movie. Like a princess bride, I feel like. Yes. It was one of those. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it instantly became a movie that was part of the pop culture. Everyone was talking about it, adults and kids alike. It brought different phrases into the language. Something busters. Mm. Yeah. Saying something is toast is from this movie. This chick is toast. It's popular for people to say who you're going to call. Yeah. Baby. Marshmallows come from this movie. <laughs> Phil, it's, it, it's they weren't the, a real thing until they were in this movie, and yeah. then nobody ran until this movie. But no one even, <laughs> no one even thought of it. So yeah, I mean, it had a dedicated fan base, merchandise, the toys from the cartoon, conventions, toys, cartoons. So a cereal. I think they also had a cereal. Yeah. They, oh, they had a cereal. <laughs> Ecto cooler, even yeah, oh. yeah, the ecto cooler is famous. Great pop kidding culture me? example. There was a beer this year called Ecto Cooler. That's not all. Tell them, Egon. Oh, you mean the Ghostbusters hot beverage thermal mug and free balloons for the kids? In addition to all the video games and the slot machines and the comic books and the novels, it spawned the reboot in 2016. Answer the call, the all girls version of Ghostbusters. Right. I didn't hate it. I did. And right. then we have to have one movie that's all women and constantly mocking you that this has nothing to do with the movie you love by using things from the movie you love. Exactly. Well, but it's not connected. Right. But every single cast member is in it. But it's not connected. It's not connected. Right. Everybody's in it. It's not connected. They use the same symbol. Not yep. connected. Not connected. It's and that's why we don't consider this to be a disruptor yeah. of the trilogy. Sir, those are actual ghosts flying around. And a class five floating vapors. Nothing to worry about. No, no, no. It's important. Don't you see what's happening? Look, I don't go to Chinatown. I don't drive wackos. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Ghostbusters 2. Ivan Reitman and Aykroyd and Ramis all had control and they all had to kind of sign on. And Murray, too. But at the time, Bill Murray was committed to Scrooge, having not done a movie in like six years. Yeah. No one was really sure how they wanted to go about doing it. Yeah. Aykroyd wrote a fucking screenplay with his world of, you know, the strange. Coke. That had to do with underground fairies and a fairy colony. Originally, Bill Murray was going to be married to Sigourney Weaver in the movie. But after a while, they realized that it would put too much focus on their relationship instead of the Ghostbusters. So that was that's why that was changed. Right. So the script went through tons of different rewrites. The idea is that everyone at this point is hesitant to follow something that was such a juggernaut like the first movie. Five right. years had passed. They weren't unaware of the fact that time had gone by now. It's not as if people were craving a second movie. This kind of came out of yeah. necessity. Right. Ultimately, I guess they got the script right and it appeased Murray. And he was ready to go forward with the movie. And they all got something like 10% of the film in lieu of a high salary. couple of uh, interesting little casting notes. The guy that played Vigo, he didn't realize that until he, they, he saw the premiere of the movie that he wasn't doing the voice and that Max von Sydow was instead. And he like stormed out of the theater angrily. Mm, this is a theater of evil. <laughs> Wait, that's not my voice. <laughs> Eugene Levy had a big part yes. where he was in this running and running the psych ward where they were sent. And it was a whole thing about how they escape and blah, 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 involving Gene Levy. And they cut it out. Oh, wow. Less smoking in this movie than the first movie. That was kind of done on purpose because society had like changed in five years. Yeah. And it wasn't as common. It wasn't as accepted in public because they're smoking up a storm in the first movie. Oh, yeah. Everyone's smoke. yeah, yeah. constant smoking. It's awesome. But the test screenings hated the ending and they had to reshoot a ton of stuff. And a lot of it had to do with what we were talking about before, the connection or the lack of connection between Vigo and the slime. And it just felt like it was disjointed. Yeah. 
So they did like two months of reshoots. They also added the entire scene underground with the, the ghost train and the heads and everything. Oh, yeah. you know, just that, to, that's Bill Murray's complaint is that the, mo- the movie that was promised was not the movie that was released. Yeah. And once they decided that they really needed to focus more on the special effects versus the comedy, uh, he was checked out. And they brought back Slimer and they had him in a bigger role. But... Audiences just didn't give a shit about Slimer. It's kind of like like Men in Black 2, how they take that fucking pug and they make the whole movie yeah. a, a circle yeah, around yeah. him. And people are like, why? <laughs> too much. Content. I thought it was funny, but Jesus Christ, that's for too like, much. For like two seconds. Yeah. He's I mean, a salt and the pepper of a, of a bit. You put too much salt and pepper, you're going to get sick. Hey, Jay, I'll tell you something about dames. They say they want to be scratched behind the ears, but what they really want is... Right, Frank. In the same way that we had the Ghostbusters song from Ray Parker Jr., Bobby yeah. Brown was brought in to do the song on our own. Yeah. And it is garbage. I've never liked Bobby Brown. I don't like any of his songs. I especially don't like this song. And the fact that they obnoxiously play it just as he makes his fucking lame cameo for two seconds in it. In the video, listen to the people that make an appearance in this Bobby Brown video. Okay. Jane Curtin, Dougie Fresh, Chris, Christopher Reeve, Malcolm Forbes, Rick Moranis, Donald Trump, and the Ramones. What a snapshot. These are the people of the time. <laughs> too hot to handle, too cold to hold. They called the Ghostbusters and the end control. The effects were done by Industrial Light and Magic. While they were doing this movie, they were also doing Back to the Future 2, Last Crusade, and The Abyss. Nice. So that gives you a snapshot of the time as well. Um, hey, you know that Vigo painting? The reason it looks so lifelike is because it's a photograph that they then made to look like a painting. Yeah. So that's why it's so real. That's why it's following you with its eyes. Show me some teeth. Come on. I bet the girls like you, huh? Huh? To the girls? To the guys? Bet they both do, huh? Huh? What about the animals? Do they like you? That's it. More. Yeah, come on. You're big. You're big. All right, destroy me. Destroy me now. Yeah. I've worked with better, but not many. The movie was made from between 30 and 40 million dollars and it did 215, 112 in the United States. So it wasn't a slouch at the time, but by no means was it the first movie. Yeah, right. They set themselves up for, for failure. Right. And like I said before, there was just too much competition. One of the biggest competitors was Batman, oh, yeah. which would come out the, like the next month and they pushed their release date back. So they wouldn't come out at the same time as Batman. Ackroyd's like, look, you had the dark kind of a movie like Batman against our Love Saves the Day right. kind of theme. And people were just kind of getting grittier and more edgy. If you consider the Batman of that time to be edgy. That sounds like kind of an excuse almost to like be like, oh, because ours was so happy. Like, but you're, the original movie wasn't like that. Like the first Ghostbusters isn't like overly saccharine sweet like right. the, the no, shit. You isn't. know what I mean? Right. What kind of a world we live in. Where a man dressed up as a bat gets all of my press. Got a lot of negative reviews. They were calling it four Ghostbusters and a baby. Yeah, also babies were popular at the time. We had Look Who's Talking, but also three men and a baby. Yeah. And that's Ghostbusters 2. I'd also like to bring something up about Ghostbusters 2 before we move on. In the publicity photos for Ghostbusters 2, the Ghostbusters are presented in neat, nifty, dark green, or possibly black jumpsuits. They look badass, or... As Vin has said before in the past, cock diesel. Thank Yet, you. Thank in you. the movie, they're back to their first movie jumpsuits, except for the montage in which they destroy a man's glass business. No, yeah, I love those other They outfits. were so cool. What the fuck, dude? It's bullshit. You promised me with black jumpsuits and you gave me jizz shooters. Jizz shooters, you jizz say, shooters, Phil? Jizz shooters, the ooze guns. Yeah. I don't like how this is the second episode where we're talking about jizz so much. 
Because we really talked about it in Spider-Man in a big way. Well, don't schedule. Stop making things look like We jizz. really got into it. We really, we were knee deep in it. Don't schedule episodes <laughs> dealing with jizz shooters back to back. And then we won't have these conversations so frequently. I should have had better foresight. Yeah. Well, I mean, Damn we it. don't have any more. Uh, we don't have. What other gang trilogies we got? I think the one where all the girls sing in the choir probably has some jizz. We haven't seen that one yet. With any luck. We haven't seen that one yet. He slimed me. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, right off the bat, of course, Aykroyd tries to develop a sequel. This time the Ghostbusters are going to hell. It was going to be called Hellbent. And it's like, can you just like sort of temper your expectations a little bit? Just Settle make down. it something realistic. Go to hell for the movie. What? Uh, well, I mean, that is what Bill and Ted do. They do oh, right. it in the video game. In uh, 2009, they made the video game, Phil. The it was one fun used, times. And, and a lot of the people considered that to be the third movie because it was voiced yeah. by all the people and it was very well received. Yep, fun game. In addition, there was some talk that they were going to do it in 2004 with Ben Stiller. And that faded out. Yeah. In the 90s, and, it was supposed to be Chris Farley. Right. And that rumor was kind of debunked by Reitman that he wanted to use Farley and Spade. Didn't they want to do it with, like, uh, Seth Rogen? And, and Paul Rudd was also going to be. Yeah. Like, that's what hey, I, was, I guess we're fighting ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> wow. As recently as 2010, 2011, there was, they were going to make it. And everyone was ready to do it except for Bill Murray. And they were thinking about making him like a CGI ghost. All kinds of different rumors yeah. popped up, this and that. Reitman thought that the constant conflict between all of them and their creative control was holding back the franchise. So he wound up selling the rights in 2014 after Ramis died to um, everyone's favorite company. The company that you guys love so much. To Sony. No. No. So because they no. were no, no. <laughs> they were looking for a Marvel like property where they could make multiple movies based upon they, it and build a whole franchise around. No. I know they're, they've oh, they, they don't know how. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Sell toasters. <laughs> it was directed by um, Jason Reitman, Ivan Reitman's son. Yes. All right. He's probably famous for Up in the Air. Up in the Air. Uh, Thank you for smoking. Juno. And it was made for 75 and did about 200 worldwide, 129 in this country. All things considered, everyone was happy with how it did. It was a surprising hit that kind of gave legs to the idea that, oh, people are still interested in these people. It did okay during COVID. It was one of the first ones that was like exclusively in theaters. Yeah. Though, yeah. right? Like just as like they were trying to get people back to right. movies. Yeah. Definitely. Big time. There were good mixed to good reviews about this movie. I think there was a real good nostalgic feel in that I don't think people think they destroyed the Ghostbusters. You got a lot of nerve coming back here, crawling back to me. All right, guys, this is a pretty easy one when it comes to who is in all the movies. So Bill Murray, really an interesting actor. We haven't really talked about him too much on the podcast. Well, at all, frankly. This is almost the only trilogy he's been in. He was actually, he's a trilogy superstar. He was in, uh, he had a cameo in um, Dumb and Dumber. Oh, really? Yeah. But Murray, I think, was the kind of actor who, back in the day when he was young, you could just kind of put him in a movie and he was just funny, like make things funny on his own. Caddyshack. But as time has gone on, I think he has aligned himself with famous directors and needs a script. And this isn't a bad or a good Thing. I'm not even judging him in that way, but he's just ch just changed as a performer. You know, he's a he's a Chicago improviser who discovered how to be a Best Actor nominee. You got Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters, and then you get to a point where he does that dramatic movie and like falls off for the like Razor's five years. Edge. People hated it. Okay, and doesn't do anything until Scrooge. But then even after that, he was you know he had Quick Change. What about Bob? I like Quick Change. I, I love What About, what about Bob? Bob. Yeah. I love both it. of them. Both great. Okay, and then of course Groundhog Day. 
That's yeah. right. Which We're, was a big hit. And after Groundhog Day, you find that's this is when he starts doing like starts doing the Wes Anderson movies. Yeah, that's he has a uh, in that movie he has a falling out with uh, with Harold Ramis. Okay, that's when he had the falling out. And I think that that's what scuttled right. any plans for Ghostbusters. 3. Right, that was a big part of it. And they didn't reconcile until Ramis is on his deathbed. In terms of Wes Anderson movies, do you guys know the movies he's been in? Yeah. Go yeah. back and forth and see how many of them you can get. Phil? Rushmore. Royal Tenant Bombs. Life Aquatic. Moonrise Kingdom. Darjeeling Limited. Grand uh, Budapest. Jim Jarmish, he's done three or four of his films as well. He was nominated for his only Academy Award for Lost in Translation, directed by Sofia Coppola. May she burn in hell. She's an incredible filmmaker. I disagree. I hate everything about her. Solely because of the Godfather Part Three. <laughs> My God, Charlie's Angels though, Garfield, Zombieland, two Garfields, too. yeah, a tale too, of too two many kitties. Garfields. He played, he played uh, Roosevelt, Hyde Park on the Hudson, and he's going to be in the third Ant Man. Really, Ant Man and Wasp Head. It's Ant Man and Wasp Quantumania. Quanta. Okay, yeah. all right. A couple of things also to just mention about Murray before we go on. He's a sports junkie, famous for golf, basketball. He was in Space Jam, baseball. He's owned multiple teams, and he's famous for like. Not only being difficult to find, because there's that famous story about how he has an answering service. And that's the only way he gets offered movies. As an agent, he just yeah. If you can, if you, if you, if you can find him, maybe you can hire. You know <laughs> the Murray team, right? But he's also had feuds with so many people in Hollywood, right up until the present, where being mortal had to be stopped because of some inappropriate thing that he did. But he seems to get in a lot of conflicts. And I kind of made the list of the people he, he feuded with. Oh, boy. But then if you read the list of the people he feuded with, you're like, well, these are all kind of assholes. Chevy Chase. Oh, yeah. Punched sure. him out. Right. Uh, season two of SNL. Sean Young. She's famous for being oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Richard Donner. Richard <laughs> Dreyfus, The most pompous yeah. ass. Harold Ramis. Lucy Liu, who is as, every bit as terrible as, as he said she what is. What are you saying about Lucy Liu? You don't know what, what about Lucy Liu. <laughs> She's I mean, the worst. How do you know? Because I've seen every single movie she's been in and hate her in all of them. Scarlett Johansson. They feuded? Briefly. And Sofia Coppola had to, I don't know, spritz the room with perfume. I don't know. It was solved. <laughs> it was solved. I don't know. And Angelica Houston, who's like a tough lady. So maybe some are justified, maybe some aren't. But yeah. Bill Murray is an icon in terms of comedy over the last 30 years. And one of the few comedians who can also play an effective dramatic role as well. He's one of those kinds of actors, though, that is playing a version of himself in some way. There are exceptions to that rule, but it's a version of his kind of smarmy comedy. Someone who isn't like that at all, though, is Dan Aykroyd, who really always seems to be acting a part. He plays broad-based characters rather than versions of Aykroyd when he's done his movies. He a lot of times chooses that gruff type, which I think he does pretty well. Yeah. Right. All right? And there's a lot of cool movies that Aykroyd was in Early on in his career, of course, the Blues Brothers. That's, yeah. you know. 1941. That's not a very cool movie, but he was in it. Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. Yeah, he had a cameo, Phil. But I would also say Trading Places <laughs> is great. Dragnet, Brain Outdoors. And then around that time, he started doing dramas as well. He was, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Driving Miss Daisy. And uh, he was in, like, My Girl with Macaulay Culkin. He played some dramas in there. Right. But, he, but he made a ton of bad <laughs> movies. Phil may like Nothing But Trouble. Scott may like it. But it's historically, it like, bad. Taste is taste. Sure, my stepmother's an alien. The couch trip. It's an awkward ass movie. You know, dude. exit to Eden, where he's on a oh yeah S and M neighbors Caddyshack too. He was also in Pixels, the notorious bomb. Oh, with Adam Sandler, right? And Pac Man. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked him in the movie Sneakers, which is actually an underrated yeah. movie. And I love Coneheads. Coneheads, oh, Coneheads is really good. Life on Earth is good. I agree. Stability and contentment have been achieved. Hal Ramis, SCTV, um, Lampoon guy. But he's considered more to be like a writer and director than an actor. 
Right. After Stripes, he had minor parts in movies like Baby Boom and Groundhog Day and Airheads, Orange County, Knocked Up, and it's amazing kind of what he did as a, as a writer and director. Yeah. Animal House, Meatballs, Caddyshack, which he also directed, Stripes, National Lampoon's Vacation, which he also directed, Back to School, great movie, Armed and Dangerous, a pretty underrated movie, if you ask me. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Um, Groundhog Day, and then the Analyzed movies. Which, great. Oh, yeah. I didn't know he did those. Yeah, I mean, and that was kind of the last that he, you know, he didn't work regularly after those movies. You got a gift, my friend. Yo, got a gift. Ernie Hudson. That's right. Ernie What Hudson. a guy. We, we met Ernie Hudson. That's right. Why don't you tell us that story? Well, it was at a twice-a-year convention in uh, New Jersey. Uh, we were hanging out at his table where he was signing autographs and chatting people up, and we talked to him about Oz, the famous HBO show about prison, and we learned something very interesting about the production of that. Uh, often written on the fly and often because the director and writer would get ideas and just implement them. Uh, and eventually everybody got raped in prison, except Ernie Hudson, because Ernie Hudson would just say his lines and hide. And I think that's his biggest, most high profile part after the Ghostbusters. Well, and that, then I told him that he, he was very good in Congo. Congo is terrific. Yeah. For him. Which seemed like it really bummed him out. A couple of other memorable roles, maybe The Crow, The Basketball Diaries. Right, the right. Crow, yeah. uh, Miss Congeniality. He played a lot of cops. <laughs> An interesting thing about him is that he auditioned to be the voice of himself in The Real Ghostbusters and didn't get the part. Arsenio got it instead. I, I find it so funny. <laughs> That's pretty sad business right there. But yeah, at the same time, you don't want to be the only actor reprising your role in the cartoon. Well, then you become the sound effects guy from Police Academy. Coming to the end here, Sigourney Weaver, all right, was in all three. Yeah, I mean, you know. Technically. Yes. Tec technically is the right word. She worked a lot of times with one of my, my favorite playwrights, Christopher Durang. Right, she was in um, uh, Beyond, Beyond Therapy. Therapy. Yeah. 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 I think if you have to talk about the thing she's most famous for, that's going to be the Alien yeah. franchise, without yeah. a question. She's been in all of them. Another interesting thing about her, in 1988, she was nominated for... Um, an Academy Award for both actress and supporting actress in the same year for Working Girl and Gorillas in the Mist. Uh, Damn. About uh, Diane Fossey. Uh, but yeah, she was also nominated for Best Actress for the uh, second Alien movie as well. Aliens. Yes. I yeah. believe. The James Cameron one. Right. Speaking of him, she was a big part of Avatar. Yeah. Also, Galaxy Quest. She's really making a name yeah. for herself in sci-fi. I can't believe there's another Avatar actually coming. Two I, more. Okay. We will have to cover that I've one I've never day. seen Avatar. I also like Sigourney Weaver in Holes, which I thought was a pretty good adaptation of the book. Get away from her, you bitch! And finally, you've got Annie Potts, who plays the secretary, Janine. Um, Annie Potts just did a ton of movies, it looks like, here in the 80s. All right, you're looking at Pretty in Pink, Jumpin' Jack Flash, these kinds of things. She's having a baby. Mm. Who's Harry Crumb? She's a pretty big part in that. Ah, yeah. You know, um, and she's the voice of Bo Peep in the Toy Story movies. That's right. And I think one of her biggest claims to fame is being on the television show Designing Women for its, I think, its entire run, something like seven years. So those are the people in all of these movies. All right, so you ready to just get into the little funny, f yeah. like, little details of these films? Yeah, little silly bullshit that we see. The silly bullshit. Let's get in. All right. The first one is obviously Ghostbusters. And I looked as he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth, and the moon became as blood. And the seas boiled, and the skies fell. Judgment Day. Judgment Day. 
Scott, I know you're a big fan of Disney worlds and things. Sure. I feel like the library scene where the library books are going from one side of the shelf to the other has a very haunted mansion yes, Disney feel about definitely. it. Definitely. I always found that like as a kid, I always found that first scene like genuinely pretty unsettling. Yeah. I wrote too, great haunted house vibes. Yeah. Like it feels like right off the bat, it feels like very classic in that way. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the haunted mansion. I am your host, your ghost host. <laughs> I think it's weird that they use that Ghostbusters song so early in the yeah, movie, it too, is. right? The song must have been out before the movie. Uh, I don't know. I had the Mortal Kombat soundtrack maybe nine months before the movie came out. Like. Was it always just, it's just 10 tracks of kinda. Uh, <laughs> I had a friend I mean, in college that had it. It's different, like it. they're different beats and stuff, but it's all kind of that fast pace, like Johnny Cage, afraid to die. Like, Red Dial. Yeah, they would just like yeah. say the name, like, Sonya. <laughs> Fight! <laughs> Why do they keep saying Liu Kang? Liu Kang! I don't know what that is! I really love Venkman's introduction scene too. Like, it tells us he doesn't give a shit about science at all. Yeah. It's all about personal gain to him in the right. end. And he's, like, shocking that kid. I always think of, like, it'd be funny if, like, you like, what if that kid, like, came back and was, like, a villain at some point? Like, <laughs> yeah. And was like, I do have psychic powers, and I, Shocked you know. it to death. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. And he comes back, haunting you. The gum falling out of his mouth makes me sad. And there's something I want to say about the Ghostbusters commercial that they put out. It's very reminiscent of what... Ackward was so popular for on Saturday Night Live when he did like that Huckster character and he did yeah. the, the Bassomatic yes. or just a blender or whatever. Right, right, he right. Takes on that persona pretty well. It's pretty funny when he does it. He knows yeah. how to sling words. Yeah. He knows how to sling the equipment names, the phenomenon names, the times and dates. Yep. Like that's his. I was like, what's the character so good who, at that? who sells like the dangerous toys? Well, we'd like to show you another one of Mr. Mainway's products. It retails for $1.98 and it's called Bag of Glass. Mr. Mainway. This is simply a bag of jagged, dangerous glass bits. Yeah, well, look, you know, a kid, the average kid, he picks up, you know, broken glass anywhere, the beach, the street, garbage cans, parking lots, all over the place in a big city. We're just packaging what the kids want. I like how Egon's hobby is collecting spores, mold, and fungus, and they show it in the third movie. Yes, yes. I, I, I noticed funny. that, too. Pretty good. Bill Murray. His seduction method is to be, like, weird. When he's in her apartment? She's like, you're yeah. so weird. And his whole thing is to, like, be disarming because he's so weird. Yeah. And I want to say, I've tried that in my career yeah, of dating. we've all tried because we watched him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got it from you, It Peter. all seems like it makes sense. He's not a looker, obviously. It's Sigourney Weaver. She's beautiful. Yeah. So something's got to be, you know. Yeah. I love the faces he makes, his silent faces, when he's, like, behind her. He does the little thing on the piano. Yeah. Yep. I, I do that literally, like, every every time I'm near a piano. <laughs> and I'm like, That very thing. I hate this. I like to torture him. That's right, boys. It's Dr. Venkman. The uh, hotel scene is a big time set piece, and another big line happened during the hotel um, scene, and that's the he slimed me. Yeah. Also, uh, what the hell are you doing? That lady playing the housekeeper is like a, like a very famous tap dancer. Really? Yeah. Nice. Like a Broadway dancer. I have a list here of all the like bit parts that are in this movie. This is as good a time as any maybe to mention Let's some of them. Let's get in there. 
the real estate agent that sells them the firehouse is the lady who in the, that episode of Seinfeld is on the subway with Elaine and Elaine, you know, yes. tells her that she's going to a lesbian wedding. My luck, I don't talk to a soul on the subway for 35 years. I get the best man at a lesbian wedding. The dean that kicks them out of the university is um, Jack Tripper's boss on Three's Company. The hotel manager during the hotel scene we just mentioned is the guy who plays Guggenheim in Titanic. <laughs> All right. The mayor is Tony Soprano's lawyer, Neil Mink. And then, of course, you've got trilogy superstar Reginald Vell Johnson. Oh, and the final one, which I think is interesting, is there's a, the, the cop that turns off the power grid or is with you know William Atherton when he turns off the, the grid. Yeah. His name is Joe Cirillo, and he's been in a lot of movies, and he's also in The Godfather. He's a trilogy superstar. He's got uh, like a minor cop part in The Godfather. The, you do your job, pencil neck. Don't tell me how to do mine. Right. You didn't catch the other... Trilogy Superstar in this first movie? Who? The violinist that she's hanging out with? I looked it up. Yeah, he's also in... Um, he's the the bad guy in Beverly Hills Cop right. 3. Three. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> Trilogy Superstar Ron Jeremy, if we're going by porn trilogies. What porn trilogy? I don't know. I'm sure he shot three he's of not, the same Phil, Stop Phil. Slinging, Phil. slinging around the expression Trilogy Superstar, man, Phil, without you, the person being You legit. are well aware that porns do not count and that we do not count. Yeah, we don't yeah count. man. I mean, if we're at the point in society where really? they're getting that many screens. I want you all to repeat after me. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> you guys would know an orgasm if it hit you in the face. I love how in the montage of like the Ghostbusters becoming popular, they show like all the New York luminaries, people such as Larry King. I guess jo there's ghosts around and <laughs> these guys are taking care of them. Casey yeah. Kasem and Joe Franklin, all of the <laughs> yeah. most famous old men of the time yeah. that were dictating to us uh, uh, who to like. Yeah. They're the, the Council of New York. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I love this montage. They like make a prediction for how popular they will be, and it comes true. Yeah, it, it almost tells you like, <laughs> you better go out in the streets. Yeah, this is this is how you should react. <laughs> <laughs> if this really happened, you'd act this way, right? <laughs> yeah. Still making headlines all across the country. The Ghostbusters are at it again. This time at the fashionable dance club, The Rose. The boys in gray slugged it out with a pretty pesky poltergeist, then stayed on to dance the night away with some of the lovely ladies who witnessed the disturbance. This is Casey Kasem. Now, on with the countdown. Play the record, okay? Please. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddammit. I gotta talk about fucking Ghostbusters. We really get no introduction to like their equipment you're right it just kind of like it's starts like we'll start this this company and then they're just going out like we have these giant machines on our back like uh oh, oh okay so like even the, the the storage facility we have we didn't even know that existed no you're yeah. right and they explain that it's essentially you put it in here clearance it out and it sits in here and yeah. whatever and then immediately after walter peck shows up like i have an issue with you right. the amount of power you're <laughs> using for you. i want to know what it is you do <laughs> i want to know Stories going on. <laughs> we only get down to the bottom of it. William Atherton, probably most famous for Die Hard. Yes. Yes. When Dana is in her apartment and she's whatever, possessed, yeah. taken over. Yeah. When those arms come out of that chair, it's pretty scary. Pretty, yeah. pretty good. One of the arms is uh, her husband, the one that grabs her boobs. Really? Wish I was a chair. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you happen to notice that Dana's voice when she becomes Zool is the same as Teen Wolf's voice when he asks <laughs> yeah. for a beer? Give me a keg. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same guy. What? Who knew? Give me a keg of beer. There is no Dana, only Zool. <laughs> <laughs> 
lovely singing voice you must have. This leads beautifully into what bothers me about this movie is that Pete Vankman yeah. walks into her apartment with a jacket full of pills. He says that he gives her 300 cc's of Thorazine. That's a crazy amount of medicine. It will, it will kill most people. Right. Online, there is a very vigorous debate over what he's doing with that medicine, whether he, he went home to get it, whether she had the medicine ahead of time because the ghosts were bothering her so much, she needed the medicine for herself. And even I think that's how they justify it in the novelization. Wow. So there's that. But he's on a date. He's on a date. Is he a date rapist, they're saying on Reddit? I don't know. I don't know. We'll leave it to you, listener. Like, I don't know. As a day rapist, man. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's just uh, too, too much risk, too my, little reward. In my you experience, know I mean? it's not going to be the optimal <laughs> pill to give. Are you habitually using drugs, stimulants, alcohol? No. No. Just asking. Ackroyd is trying to figure out what's going on. And in the car, Ernie Hudson's like, do you read the Bible? Because do you remember this quote? And it's like, ugh, what? This is what they gave you to say in this movie? Like, yeah. this is what your story is? Yeah. I love you. He also goes, because I like Jesus' style. What does I'm that like, mean? Hey, that just sounded like a white guy wrote a black <laughs> yeah. guy line. Yeah. Like, it just sounded so, okay. Uh, yeah. I liked Abraham's style. Yeah. I liked Isaac's style. <laughs> Don't judge who I like, whose yeah. style I like. What he means is Old Testament, real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. The, uh... Like demon dog. <laughs> it just keeps crashing through things. It doesn't seem to be able to stop its momentum in any way. It Every time itself. it crashes through something, it has to stop for a second laying on its belly and look around like, where am I? <laughs> 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 <Right> <laughs> in, just, so he's got plenty of time to like get away the entire time. It's the, wor listen, it's the worst effects in the movie. It looks like... Because uh, they're jumping from the fucking yeah. like Harryhausen claymation of it moving, and then when it's a puppet, it must be like they're operating it through the floor or something, because he's like flat to the floor, like, hi. <laughs> Dumb dog, why are you following me? Couple of things about when they're in jail, okay? First of all, why do they let them have the blueprints in jail? You can't just bring something in <laughs> yeah. and keep working. I just, in no. my head, Cannon. If <laughs> it's canon, the blueprints uh, of the jail. Yeah, I right. mean. Ray so, stuffed him up his butt. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? After talking about the Bible, two seconds later, Ernie Hudson's ready to sell them all out. He's like, I don't know these guys. It's just a job. We're not even friends. They're not Christian, I am. <laughs> the cock shall not grow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. If there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe anything you say. When they're talking to the mayor and they have to get out of it, there's a weird thing the mayor does where he's arranging votes with the cardinal of New York. They yeah. give each other a strange wink. They call each other by their first names like Lamy. <laughs> yeah, Lamy. Yeah. Mike. They're, 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 both, they're like Illuminati. Yeah. They know each other from the secret cult of New yeah. York or whatever. They put their secret rings together. <laughs> and only two of those members have special rings. Yeah. I meant our wedding rings. I love that scene where the ground breaks open and you're like, oh, and they're like, yay, there they are. Yeah, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. <laughs> like, all they did was not die. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's not, it, what they and didn't they achieve up, anything. And they're so, and they're so mad and determined. I do want to say too, at the beginning of this, before they go in the building, when you get like a really good look at the Ecto-1, it's, it's really cool. It's, the, oh, it's yeah. one of the best designed vehicles I think ever. But the top of it, what is all that shit on the top? What does any of that do? <laughs> One part when they come down at that point looks like they have like a turret on top of it. I'm like, what would that be shooting? What, yeah. what would be coming out of that? Like, can we see that? Like, what do you got up there? Yeah. 
pudding. I mean, <laughs> what that are they can't all, That can't all just be the siren. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everybody can relax. I found the car. Need some suspension work and shocks and uh, brakes, brake pads, lining, steering box, transmission, rear end. How much? Only 4,800. Ernie Hudson says, I love this town. He exclaims it. What do you mean? This, what do you mean? Like this, this, this would only happen in New York City? It wouldn't happen anywhere. It's, we, did, we didn't persevere yeah. here. Yeah. What, do you, what do you love about this town? He, I think he actually hates that line. We met when we met him, if you remember. <laughs> He's like, the I guy in live. front of us like, was, kept asking, like, can you please say, I love this town? And he's like, Ugh. no. Yeah. I don't want to do that. And I think he eventually gave in just to be like, get the fuck out of here. He's like, where am I? In Clifton? I don't love this town. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on Route 46 <laughs> right yeah. now, okay? We're at the fucking Route 46 <laughs> Holiday Inn, and it smells like B.O. It's, it really does. Uh, the Chili Theater smells. Ghostbusters 2, dot, 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 the secret of the ooze. Get out. <laughs> it's it's the title applies perfectly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it could be Secret that. Secret of the slime. Well, I predict that the world will end at the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve. This year? Mm-hmm. Well, that's cutting it a little bit close, isn't it? I mean, just from a sales point of view, shouldn't you have said, hey, the world's going to end wait, in 1992 wait a or better hey, yet, this, 1994? This is not just some money-making scheme, all right? I have a strong psychic belief that the world will end on New Year's Eve. Well, for your sake, I hope you're right. Ghostbusters are out doing birthday parties, and the kids yeah. want He-Man instead. Telling. And they're like, everybody sued us because we broke everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is another example of the heroes having to pay for their heroic actions, like yeah. so many superhero plots. So they have to kind of lose something, yeah. you know, and I think... And that's the only thing, if you're a superhero, that you, you know... Well, the big thing that Winston loses is mustache. Yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah, upsetting. Yeah. From the beginning say. of the movie, I'm like, oh. Press yeah. an F for Winston's mustache. Where'd that mustache As go? It was cool in 84 and not cool in 89. Yeah, I guess not. You know what? He has He's like, I'm cool a little stuff. bit more mature now. <laughs> Ray, did you ever read a map? Did you ever read? You're just asking people. Did you ever read a dictionary? Ray, Ray. you ever read the Quran? <laughs> Ray, you ever read the Fountainhead? Do <laughs> you believe in the words of Ayn Rand, Ray? Obviously, look at the yeah, fucking I, do. I like Ayn Rand's style. <laughs> that's, this entire, that's the entire fucking first Ghostbusters and Ayn Randian yeah. wet dream. Go into business, fuck the EPA. Have you read a Daniel Steele novel? <laughs> They're great. Make me hot on the collar. <laughs> Sunday, escape the Super Bowl with best-selling author Danielle Steele. A single mom meets the perfect man. He's nice. Yes, he is. But can he save her from a ruthless father? No. The science, like, we just accept the science. We talked about it before with the packs, and we just kind of accept that that's the science. Right, yeah. This one, it, it seems like they kind of really push it. Like, oh, I'm trying to measure how emotion these people are arguing behind the glass. And he's like, I'm measuring if there's a physical manifestation of emotion or whatever he's yeah, doing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh... I just am thinking of these actors whose job is like pantomime having a constant fight, but you can't talk, just body language. Yeah. And what they're doing, and the guy's like pointing into the corner, and he's raising his arms up like, I'll fucking kill you, you fucking cunt. <laughs> I'll throw your body in that corner. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, the conversation conversation are like, yeah, I don't know, Egon. I just feel like it didn't work with me and Peter. <laughs> you dirty bitch. Like, it really stretches the premise a little bit, is all I'm saying. It really stretches it. But I do enjoy the appearance of Kevin Dunn as a man who says the world will end in the year 2000. Uh, I love the world of the psychic. So honestly, I think Bill Murray is still really fucking funny in the second movie. Like, he had me crack it up again. There's a lot of really good laughs from him, I yeah. think. And you could tell he's in complete I don't give a fuck mode. According to my source, the end of the world will be on February 14th in the year 2016. Valentine's Day. Bummer. I think that the Yanush character is reminiscent of Frank from Father of the Bride. Uh, yes. A little bit, yeah. Yes. Generically foreign. Yeah. And really over the top, really broad, but good in their movies. Peter Focus. McNichol uh, brings the silly. Yeah. This. I love his little All improvisations. The little thing he does, like, no, Mr. Rickman, please don't go, go. <laughs> like, he, he's always screaming at him. But when you first see him and he's like walking down and like looking at everyone's work, he looks he's like, everything you're doing is bad. Like, <laughs> I just, want you, that, I just yeah. want you to know that. Probably one of the funniest parts of the movie is when um, Egon says his parents didn't believe in toys. Yeah. yeah. You mean... You never even had a slinky? We had part of a slinky, but I straightened it. So you're talking about your problematic moments with uh, Venkman, but (laughs) when uh, it was like, so what do you think? (laughs) And uh, Egon's like, I'd like to run some gynecological tests on the mother. (laughs) And she goes, who wouldn't? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. I didn't hate the courtroom scene, though. I like the the courtroom scene. I think it's one of the The best scenes. The ghosts look really cool. Yeah, and the Scalari brothers, and it's like really over the top between like Moranis's ineptness and the judge's venom that he's and how like <laughs> slipshod and quick the whole fucking trial goes. <laughs> yeah, like, and they don't even yeah. attempt each other. They'll be like, "Great job, Lois. Great." You're like, you hired him. <laughs> yeah. Why are you allowing this to continue? Why wouldn't you be like, "He's fired. Um, we'll get somebody else." Can we? Judge's <laughs> buddy from Ozark. He's the doctor from Multiplicity who yeah. clones himself. Mister Tully. You have any questions for this witness? Might have some bearing on this case. Do I? No, we've helped them out enough already. That bathtub attack with the bendy tub. Pretty cool. Pretty funny. Pretty cool. (laughs) You know what keeps bothering me? They keep saying, her bathtub tried to eat her. I'm like, that's not at all what happened. (laughs) It was pink slime coming out of it. Pink slime came out and tried to eat it. The bathtub didn't do anything wrong. Stop blaming the bathtub. Don't blame the bathtub. Was that sent from Vigo? Who the fuck knows? What the hell is that? I know what it is. That's the river of slime. You got the Titanic ghost in that Sorry. scene. You got the fur coat coming alive in that scene. That was the creepiest one. And also the rancor coming out of uh, Washington Square Park. Yeah. yeah. That was a reshoot. That was something they added after the fact. Great. Wish it went somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Rancor? What are you doing here? I'm trying to diet too. Eating too many pig guys? I thought it was the pig guys, but you know what? It was the bread. They put a lot of the slime in this movie. Like, they make it be about the slime in a big way. And they're really oh, trying yeah. to capitalize off how popular, like, Slimer was in the first movie. And the idea of I've been slimed. And that was a big element of the first movie. So they're like, fuck it. Let's act, make rivers of this stuff. It's a river of slime. Hot pink. You know. Ready to go. Maybe fast. Maybe, Maybe slow. slow. I was always rooting for Egon and uh, Janine. But in this movie, my suddenly, hopes are dashed. Yeah. Suddenly, Rick Moranis becomes her beau. What is yeah. that about? I don't know. Maybe fast than that. Maybe slow. Doesn't seem to make sense. I don't know. I think she, you know, moved on from Egon, dyed her hair. Because she's not nerdy. She's quirky and weird like yeah. Egon. Yeah. Not nerdy like Baranis and like I like her I like her look. You look fantastic in this. 
born to wear this stuff. Bill Murray's brother's in it for a second. You also have Cheech making an appearance in that montage. Yes. Better late than never. That was also added later on, as if, like, after the test screenings are like, you know what would make this perfect? Get me Cheech. Three seconds yeah. of Cheech Marin. <laughs> just a dash of Cheech. <laughs> really weird. That's really weird. That's something they just <laughs> added after the fact. Hey, pendejo. How you doing? I love that Bill Murray never, ever gets covered in goop. Nope. Yeah. But he's always just happens to not be there. Or like, at the end of the first movie, he's got like a little oh. bit on his hair and yeah. everyone yeah. else is it's like covered, covered head to toe. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I love that, but I love that thing that he's just, he always seems to be dressed differently slightly from them too. Yeah. Like they show up at, uh, I think it's in this one, they show up at the museum. Yeah. And they're all in their full suits and he's just wearing like his, you know, yeah. normal. Regular gear. Almost Kramer-esque. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. The jumpsuits. I just want to know about that. Oh God, Phil. Yeah. You know. You know, get over it. I do like at this end, and these are getting to the end here with uh, Janusz and Vigo, and Vigo starts to like, I am Vigo, Lord of God. But you know, like as he's doing it, Janusz is just like, yes, yes, I know, Scourge, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, I know, I've heard of this before. Like, and he's just it's like funny. kind of hurrying him along. He's kind of I was saying like it, dying yeah. laughing. He's saying it under his breath. It's really funny. Yeah, he's like, come on, come on. <laughs> he's Vigo. You're like the buzzing of flies to him. If I am a car owner in New York City and the Statue of Liberty steps on my car, I'm owed money by the city. I think you're right. Or possibly the Ghostbusters. I mean, they're so flippant about it. They're like, sorry down there. It's like, you just crushed my father. <laughs> you killed him. We, we were seeing each other for the first time in a long time. We were getting together on New Year's Eve midnight. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, my. Get out of the way, please. It's running, rushing in a plane, ladies and gentlemen, the smoke and the flames now. Oh, the humanity. Oh, sorry. Bye, Paul. So it's New Year's Eve at the end of the movie. So how long has this movie taken place? About like a week or so? Yeah. Where's Christmas? <laughs> There's no Christmas decorations in New York City? That is None? A, Not that is, a single one? That is a fantastic point. It like dawned on me at the end of the movie. I was like, wait a it's minute. It's because people are so fucking <laughs> yeah, angry. They won't even. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is like, they're trying to generate good feelings but around it's never Christmas been, it's never been, and New Year's Eve. It's never mentioned though, Christmas. Yes, it's never, never mentioned. Yeah. Never. You have a baby. You didn't buy your, he didn't put him in a cute <laughs> little baby Christmas thing. Yeah, and, right. That is really weird. Whatever happened? Christmas It's gone and left no traces It's really weird when the baby turns into Vigo's face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really weird. For a hot second it looks like Mel Brooks <laughs> in, 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 a, in a high anxiety when he's a <laughs> He's like I will be your baby and my face will continue to look like this the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Father, I need your milk, mother. Yeah, and also when he's in the car when they're like getting free parking, he's in a car seat. He's like, <laughs> drive slower. It's <laughs> very yeah. hey, jangling in here. Take it easy up there. I need to be changed now. <laughs> I have brought forth a present from an unholy realm. All right, then we get the head spinning around. We're just ridiculous bunch of special effects. He's attacked because people are singing the New Year's song. Like, you can't handle that? Like, what kind of a spirit are you? He's like, I am susceptible to old standards. Damn <laughs> town racist things. <laughs> yes, sir, that's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that singing coming from? People outside. Huh? <laughs> 
I think at the end of the day, this movie tries to do what one did, but again, it's, its tone is off. It's too kind of cheesy. It's too goody-goody. It's funny because we, we've talked about this before with RoboCop and a few other things where they start to market it towards kids and it, it softens the edge but or, or whatnot, but like Ghostbusters is a victim of its own success insofar as the product got softened to appeal to kids, Yeah. whereas RoboCop didn't quite get softened. The movie's maintained being a fucking shit show. Right. While they tried to be like, yeah, yeah, it's for kids. Like this movie got watered down by the need for action figures. Yeah. Um, uh, which, you know, I had plenty. And I think that brings us to Ghostbusters Afterlife. Somehow, a town with no fault lines is shaking on a daily basis. Maybe it's the apocalypse. If you know the lore of the movie, as soon as you see Evo Shandor mining, you're like, oh, okay. I guess I know the plot to this movie then. It's the first thing you see, and it's like, all right, for people that know the movie. When they go to the house, um, you see the Revelations 612, the same thing that he... Another immediate reference to the first movie. movie, Which was a Ray thing to say. So then it's weird that, like, Ray didn't believe him? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, I wrote it down here at the bottom, Scott. It's a big flaw that no one believed him after everything that's happened, after yeah. how right he's been so far. The city didn't believe No one, his friends, family. Especially Ray. Right. That seems it's, like a huge betrayal. Why wouldn't everyone be yeah. like, holy shit, this guy's onto something. He saved us two other times right. from death. And he's Egon, the smartest one of all of us. Right. We're ready to believe you. They're watching the movie Cujo in the beginning. Yeah. I was almost in Cujo. Yeah. When I was a kid actor, I auditioned for the, the boy part. and Auditioned uh, yeah. <laughs> for the dog part. <laughs> All right. That wasn't very nice. <laughs> Just Because you were like, I auditioned for the boy part. Like, like well, what else would you for have For the son. I mean, I was very young. I was like five or six or seven or something. And I auditioned for Danny Pintaro from Who's the Boss ultimately got it. I always hated him for that reason. <laughs> I've never let Never him forgiven him for it. I'm glad his life is terrible. <laughs> oh, is it? It's not like I'm glad a guy has AIDS. Now you're bringing up what's happening tonight. Why does AIDS keep randomly coming up? <laughs> it came up in the last podcast, too. AIDS? Nobody's got AIDS. I don't want to hear that word here again. The big addition, though, I think is Paul Rudd. Yeah. yeah. Professor. We've talked about him before. He's a trilogy superstar, whether it be um, Night of the Museum or soon to be Ant-Man. Right. Yep. And of course, he appeared in Civil War as well. Also pretty famous from Anchorman and the Virgin movie. You Clueless. Know. Large black coffee. Do you mean a venti? No, I mean a large. Venti is large. No, venti is 20. Large is large. In fact, tall is large, and grande is Spanish for large. Venti's the only one that doesn't mean large. It's also the only one that's Italian. Congratulations, you're stupid in three languages. Look, Dick, Venti is a large coffee. Really? Says who, Fellini? So yeah, Mom never mentioned any of this to the kids. And you'd think that since she kind of resents her father anyway, she would make money out of it. These people aren't concerned enough that they're poor. No one's working. No one seems to want to work. I don't. Yeah. It just feels like... All right, we're poor. Got to move to the country because we're yeah. poor. Why are they so dang poor? It's just, it's so contrived. Talk about a movie what? pitch. It's like, and the mother is poor. <laughs> Get this. <laughs> Record scratch. Get this. Check it's your kids, Marty. Something has to be done about your kids. They're poor. Tell me about my future. I mean, I, I know I make it big, but what do I become, like a rich rock star? Please, Marty, no one should know too much about their own destiny. Right, right. I am rich, though, right? Marty, please. Did you ever stop to think about when he had his daughter? When was he married? Yeah, I don't. I didn't understand the timeline of where Egon has been. Like, I'm like, how long has he been out here? 
Like, like, what age did he leave his daughter? Does she remember well, him in, at in all? Ray, in Ray's monologue about it, it's like they they were busting ghosts, and then the ghosts got fewer. So it's so they were there for oh a the while. exposition vomit that yes. that that phone call of like oh sure little girl in prison I guess I don't no. know who you are but here's my whole fucking life story <laughs> yeah like, it's really weird it's cool when she finds his secret lab though downstairs I guess I mean I like ghost Egon guiding her it's almost like the the ghost effects catch the cadence of Egon yeah I or see Harold Ramis. I know what you mean. Like, and then there's a lot of throwbacks to him down there between his collection and his uh the the fireman pole that they use. Yeah. So he took the fire them. pole with them. He took the fire yeah. pole. Yeah. No, I see. I saw that as him putting that in because he like kind of missed the old place. Right. Like, and his whole thing with his junk food that he loves so much. Yeah. And they're showing that and everything. The Twinkie. The crackle bar. And yeah. His, that's his what gave him a heart attack, not the ghost. Oh. That's a big Twinkie. At the one hour mark, we get the first who you gonna call. And it is said by Trilogy Superstar. Bokeem Woodbine. That's correct. That's right. From the Spider-Man MCU trilogy. Uh, good old Bokeem. I don't know why he was there, but. Don't know why he was there. He was Harris. in like only like, what, two scenes as the cop? Seemed like a waste of Bokeem. Pretty unfriendly, actually. But it's the way you're unfriendly. How you're so polite about it. Like you're doing me a favor. You said Ackroyd, yeah, she yeah. makes the call to Ackroyd. You know. His voice sounds weird. Well, you know, he's, he's a little bit. He sounds really like Nixon. Yeah. Well, you it know, just... he ran off with it. I think, I think uh, Egon Spangler can burn in hell or can go straight to hell. It's a little fucking much. But then he kind of, kind of goes back on it in a second. She's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, here's what happened. He's dead. He died last week. Well, good. I mean, he'll, he'll be on his way soon. Then. Uh, have a good one. Enjoy prison. But like he, it betrays Ray's intelligence because if he's if he's Ray stands, he would know where Evo Shander's uh, initial property is. He would know. Ray has to be involved because he was always the expert on the occult. He's like the he's the one who knows all. Like he looks up that shit about Zool and all that other stuff. Egon does all the the, the hardcore science shit. Yeah. Ray also mentions that uh, they lost the firehouse because some actor bought most of Tribeca. Robert De Niro. Yeah. Yep. And then he says it's a Starbucks. Now, nope. and then we clearly see at the end, it's not. And when I walk in here now, I remember that wave of coming in here and knowing that I was a part of something that uh, that would be special. And now, 30 plus years later, the feeling is just as strong. The Walmart to me, it's like the symptom of the entire movie, because this movie is the Walmart of Ghostbuster movies. Okay. It's just devoid of any sort of spice or culture uh, with these little marshmallows. I mean, because you can't, like, separate that those tiny marshmallow men from the Stay Puft Marshmallow. But there's no sensible connection besides, I like the first movie, and I like <laughs> well, the sure. Stay Puft Man, <laughs> sure. and now I want to see little ones <laughs> running around. Well, you exactly. know what? But they're dark. They're committing suicide. Sure. They're turning themselves yeah. into s'mores. Oh, I will say, it was very Army of Darkness. Yes. It was very, yes. like, the that's, little ashes running felt, around. Thank you. Yeah. I, I didn't dislike the, like, comedy. It was just kind of like, I almost wish they were just marshmallows. Yes. Yeah, and not little marshmallow men. But it's like, it's right, all right, happening right. inside of a Walmart, which is the movie being like, look, it's your childhood, and you can go to Walmart and have it. Instead of bustling New York, we get a fucking Walmart. Yeah. And, and we get, again get a lazy-ass demon dog who likes to lay on his belly. Yeah. Like, I don't know why. Like, well, like, just design him differently. Why is he just like... You brought a dead man back for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Very well. And even if he was alive, it wouldn't be the same. Trilogy superstar J.K. Simmons. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that really didn't make any sense at nope. all. 
No. He got he got snoked so hard. Yeah, yeah. he got pulled apart in one second. Why the hell saying was nothing, he... didn't do anything. After praising him up and down in the Spider-Man world, it was meaningless. I don't know. Then we get to this whole long climax, and it's just, it's just we said it already. It just barrels forward at such a breakneck speed. You can't absorb everything you're looking at. Like they kind of do the quick redo of Moranis and... Uh, exactly the same. Like them meeting up. The only right. thing that bothered me about that is they had them talk in the, like, the, the monster voices the whole time, and I was like... Rick Moranis and Sigourney Weaver very clearly spoke like themselves right. for most of the time when they were possessed. Uh, the whole time. I don't remember them Why talking. would you do that? Why right. wouldn't you have just Paul Rudd be like just playing Vince Clortho, like playing the same way, way Rick I mean, Moranis did? And how about why would you take him out of the movie during the part he could be the funniest, reacting to all that's going on? Right. Yeah, I just saw no reason to reenact that entire scene from the first movie. Just there was no reason for no. it. Um, I like the Ghostbusters appearing. I just hate how backloaded it is. But look, we know they're going to be in the movie, right? So when we haven't seen them by the last 15 minutes... We know they're going to show up. Yeah. It's bullshit. And then they, they show up and just Bill Murray looking decrepit, like just looking terrible. Yeah. Uh, Ernie Hudson looks outstanding. Always. He, yeah. he does. Dan Aykroyd looks like Dan Aykroyd, but I love Dan Aykroyd's little monologue as well for Gozer once again. Are you a god? Don't it's great. That was a, yeah. that, was a, that was a good yeah. moment. Yeah. yeah. Are you a god? Ray? Oh, come on, Ray. Yes. Yeah, we're all gods. And the CGI for uh, Harold Ramis was fantastic. They brought him back oh, so well. Fucking great. I, it was a touching I, moment. I cried. <laughs> I, I cried real hard. Because let me tell you, since they've been talking about doing a third movie when after he died, I was like, that's what they should do, is they should do something where it's Egon's daughter or something right. like that after he's died, she's finding out the stuff about him and finding his old Ghostbuster stuff. And of course, the movie has to end with her having a scene with the ghost of yeah. Harold Ramis. Exactly. And the second they turned, you see his hair. I was like, no. And, his, <laughs> and I fucking, I immediately <laughs> broke. I was like in tears. Oh and my God. And then when they like, all I turn and look and he's right. right next to them and the uh, old gang's back together. Yeah, yeah, that was great. It's nice. I just wish it happened on like a rooftop or on a place that wasn't right. so visually right. unappealing. Yeah. But, but no offense. Like it really goes on kind of for a long time. Again, it becomes this really big tribute to Ramus. And it's yeah. like yeah, it really it's, he's you turn around, and you're like, you're still here? Because <laughs> like, like his ghost shows up and helps and you think he's just gonna, you know, right. fucking be gone after that. But right. he has to have all like I'm sorry, I didn't touch believe you. His grandchild, yeah. hug his daughter. daughter right, they say. wink at fucking right. Bill Murray. Dead silent yeah. the entire time. Like, which I was like. Good. I'm glad he didn't say anything, but also he's been around way too long for him to not be saying anything at this point. Like, because right. he'd be like, "Oh, hey, you're good to see you." And like, I really should have called you, man. I totally yeah. miss you. And he's just, yeah, <laughs> like, he he's just makes, completely uh, silent, staring at them. Like, uh, okay, leave. Like, it's getting <laughs> awkward now. Just leave. <laughs> I was waiting for them to be like, "Wow, I'm really glad you were here, so we could have this moment." <laughs> And now it's over. <laughs> I don't like it. He just, I just Hal Ramis is still hanging around. Don't have to ask me to leave. I get the message. And I will leave when things get uncomfortable. Look, the movie was just uneven. It certainly had a sense of humor. Like there was there yeah. was jokes, and they definitely brought Paul Rudd in because he's sort of a wisecracking and they wanted yeah. like a more Murray-ish angle there. It was more family oriented. It wasn't subversive enough. I feel like it's because they did the female movie that there's there was definitely a choice to go with kids yeah. as like sort of the main characters here just as it's like it's, i think it's harder to hate them 
it didn't disgust me. Like the third Bill and Ted kind of did sometimes. Yeah, it was a little bit better than the third Bill and Ted. It was. Say. Yeah. It was. But at the same time, it didn't satisfy me. Like yeah. I say, I you mean, didn't destroy it, but you didn't make it, you didn't progress it in any way. Yeah. Right? But that's what all these these things are now, right? Like yeah. even like the fucking Star Wars movies when they make them. They're can't, not even movies anymore because it's just basically like different fan services where you go, yay. Right. right. Like, yeah. And everyone's going to have their own differing. They can't all be Cobra Kai. Yeah, that's the whole that's thing. The thing. Cobra Kai has done has done this thing perfectly. It's hand yeah. because it's hands off enough. All of these big franchises are owned by multimedia right. conglomerates. Right. Lenny, officially, the church will not take any position on the religious implications of these uh, phenomena. Personally, Lenny, I think it's a sign from God. So yeah, good job tonight, gentlemen. Tricky yeah. trilogy. Thank There's you. There's a lot Tricky. that goes into the Ghostbusters trilogy. How do you trilogy. rate it? Oh, You'd wow. like to know how I would rate it first? Yeah, why it's not? It's a pretty uh, easy uh, one for me. And I'm ready to believe you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. No, it's a one, three, two for me. Um, without a doubt. One is just, it deserves the title of the one of the best movies of the 80s. For me, three tried to capture a lot of what one did. Um, and they did a service to both the new fans and the old. And they did the best they could. But yeah. um, it wasn't quite enough. And I just don't like the second movie. I just think the second movie is corny. And just not enough, you yeah. know, attitude. It's unsuccessful for me. And it, it was close. It was close because I didn't really, I didn't hate three. And I tried to like two more this time around, but I just, I couldn't get there. So one, three, two, unsuccessful. I think I'm just going to go a straight down one, two, three. Uh, and, you know, because obviously the first one's the best and the diminishing returns <laughs> on yeah. the doing the idea again, especially 30 years later, as, as impressive as I think, I think the third movie was like, pretty good for being 30 years later yeah. and they handled the you know the Harold Ramis stuff like with a lot of care and like it really felt like heartfelt I feel like it was much more like a sort of a love letter to Harold Ramis and to fans and yeah. to like and to appreciate like how much Harold Ramis really did put into the first movie he wasn't just Egon he wrote the whole yeah. fucking thing and yeah. like really you know pay homage to like he's the probably the most important ghostbuster behind the scenes sure you know what i mean sure so it was kind of cool to do that and especially to have like the legacy of uh you know ivan reitman's son involved with it and stuff that was really it's kind of cool and his daughter like showed up at the set and she like wore his proton pack it was like, an emotional experience for like the family yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, it, with the legacy of the movies and stuff i think there's a there's a sense of that in this movie that like the female movie specifically went against and didn't want any legacy, but they wanted to like use the legacy for like they fuel to, to make the their own thing. Yeah, yeah, without having to pay any homage yeah. or any give any care to like the original source material. Makes sense. So I feel like this was like real, real respectful, but not not that good. I have some affection for the second Ghostbusters, just stupid as it is. And even rewatching it, I was like, I laughed. I laughed a lot. Bill Murray cracks me up the entire time, the same way he did in the first movie, and it's. It's got the same feel, you know. So to me, that puts it slightly higher than the third one. But okay. they're probably they're probably neck and neck. From successful or unsuccessful? I'm gonna say it's successful. Good enough. It was good enough. All three were good enough. Yeah, I think the third movie had a good enough story to wrap it up as a trilogy for me. Okay. And I, and I like the second one. And I like it enough. Mm. Gotcha, Philly. Um, okay, I think I'm gonna go one, two, three. But I'm not going to say successful. For me, Ghostbusters is a property that expands outwards to the cartoons. Like that meant a lot to me as a kid. When I was a boy, I was at a, I had a, you know, like a hospital for like a hernia. Uh, it was also my birthday. So my, my father made his secretary go to every fucking Toys R Us to look for the firehouse playset. 
And I came home and that was my gift. Uh, I immediately puked when I saw it, but I was excited. <laughs> I was fresh out of surgery. So, uh, the touching story. Phil. Yes. You know what? The thing is, what I'm saying is the, this franchise has memories for adults and children of all ages. <laughs> And uh, whatever you get from it is what brings you joy. And I think that there's a lot of that in the third movie. There's a lot of remember this. So thank you to the fans. Uh, I don't think it's successful. None of it's really that cohesive. It's just an end cap to a phase of the franchise. Okay. Yeah. Because there's going to be more. We're going to be burying this trilogy soon when they make Ghostbusters. Boo. Four. Yeah, but I just kind of assume that the real Ghostbusters will die yeah. first. Yeah. But the real Ghostbusters. <laughs> and I don't know whether... I, that kills the trilogy if they're not, you know what I mean? If it's just the adventures. And I think as kids. long as you got Winston, it seems like they're yeah, set. Yeah. I think the way right. they've set it up. Yeah, we're kind of the Ringo of the Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, folks. It's always a pleasure to bring you a brand new trilogy. We try and get them to you as soon as we can. And eventually, we're going to get to every single one on our list. Oh, yeah. We are. We're like halfway through it, Scott. This is a really big list. Like, it's, a, it's a lifetime of work to do. I mean, imagine uh, this list was a Twinkie, and this Twinkie ah. is about five miles wide. Right. It's a big fucking list. But you know what? We're going to get there. Eventually, you guys are going to see the list when we do our, uh, our website, which will be coming pretty we soon. We need to see my list. <laughs> As always, I am Vin. And I'm Scott. And I am Phil. Who otherwise is our field correspondent. Our Winston. Yes, and, and you can also say, I'm the sex appeal. Sure. Follow us on Instagram, as always, ladies and gentlemen. I really try and match day-to-day with my posts the exact things, the jokes um, that we say during the podcast. So you can follow right along at Trilogy Podcast on Instagram, as well as checking us out on TikTok. Twitter, I run that. And, of course, we do some fun polls about our recent trilogy episodes. Go give that a look. Vote on some stuff. Yeah. You know, Scott, originally I was going to call you to help me get a ghost out of this apartment. Oh, yeah? It turned out to be Phil. Uh, so I just let him stay over so that he could do this episode. I came home and he said a mouthful of hot dogs. Yeah, <laughs> like 20 hot dogs. Because if you know, ghosts love one thing, it's hot dogs. Sure. You guys want, you guys want to get some hot dogs? Always. Always. An, an invitation for dinner with you at the you end know, of these. I love this town! <laughs> <laughs> I'm no fool and I got no time to waste So you get up the call, but you trip and fall Stop. And you can leave the place Now it's no dream because you see a shadow in the night But we will come and get it done So don't worry, save your fright Now there's a group who likes the truth And you know you can trust us So don't get nervous cause that's your service